Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded at the Center for Missouri Studies in Columbia and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Ross, and I'll be your guys. We explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from our Missouri. Water. Did you ever stop to think just how important water is to your everyday life? From health, sanitation, and nutrition to transportation, recreation, and cultural identity, water is just as important today as it has been for countless people for generations. Whether it's the Mississippi River, the Missouri River, or the endless list of rivers, creeks, ponds, lakes, and even fountains that dot Missouri's landscape, this series is all about water. So with that, let's dive right in to water and waterways. Our guest is Susan Sundermeyer. She's a retired educator from Osage County and is the author and creator of the book and exhibit Farmhouses Before the Great Flood of 1993, Life in the Chamoy and Morrison, Missouri River Bottoms. Welcome to our Missouri, Susan. Thank you, Sean. Glad to be here. Now to start off with, talk about not only the origins of this book, Farmhouses, but also really just about the book itself. Okay, well, the title of the book is Farmhouses Before the Great Flood of 1993. Life in the Chamoy and Morrison, Missouri River Bottoms, or it's simply called Farmhouses. And it is one of the results of five years of research and gathering information, pictures, stories, and histories of the area in which I grew up, the Missouri River bottom between Chamoy and Morrison. The book is over 300 pages in both black and white and color, and it includes pictures and drawings and paintings, stories and histories, maps and plats, quotes and sayings, poems and songs, a verse book, a recipe, newspaper articles, a newsletter, a telegraph from 1855 from St. Louis to the New York Daily Times newspaper and much more. 90 people contributed to this book, sharing facts and stories that they remember or that were told to them by a parent or a grandparent. So it is a compilation of oral history now written down about the times before the great flood of 1993 in the Chamoy and Morrison, Missouri River bottoms. Now, when I was growing up in the 1950s and the 1960s in the Missouri River Bottom, there were more than 40 families living on farms in the bottom. Since the Great Flood of 1993, very few folks live in the bottom. Many of those farmhouses have disappeared. Several years ago, our Chamoy Historic Preservation Commission was meeting with representatives of the Missouri Humanities Council at our Townley House Museum in Chamoy. The Missouri Humanities Council was collecting information on German heritage in our area for their project, the German Heritage Corridor in Missouri. During that meeting, I lamented how I wish we had pictures of all the farmhouses that once dotted the river bottoms of Morrison and Chamoy. The Missouri Humanities Council representative told me, we give grants for projects such as that. So I checked into it, I applied for the grant and I received it. 
The purpose of the grant was to collect pictures, stories, and histories to display on portable banners that could be lent to interested groups and organizations to share the history and culture of life in the Chamoyan Morrison, Missouri River bottoms as it was before the great flood of 93. And as information came pouring in, people kept asking, is there gonna be a book? If so, I want one. So what started out as a display of pictures, stories, and histories turned into a book as well. Now, this is obviously a, a, a book that, uh, as I kind of mentioned to you, I, I really appreciate because it's a bit of a, a local story for, for me as well. You know, I have family uh, that have grown up not so much in the bottoms there, but, you know, in the, in the hills in and around Morrison and Chamoy. All right. Talk about your own family's ties uh, to that area. Okay. Well, my family has very deep roots in the Missouri River bottom. My great-great-grandparents, Anton and Christine Sundermeyer, came to America in 1852 aboard the sailing ship, the Julius. They had lived in Ramey, Prussia, which is now called Bad Oyenhausen, Germany. And I'm very fortunate to have been able to visit in Germany. I visited that town and saw the church where they were baptized, confirmed and married and before they came to America. And also I spent a week in Germany and uh, I had looked up the information from all the branches of my family, my mom and my dad and his mom and dad and her, her mom and all, in all I visited 14 villages of which our ancestors had lived. And they were all in the North Rhine Westphalia region of Germany, just in a, you know, an area close enough that I could drive to every day. So that was a very, very fun thing to do. Now back to the Sundermeyers, they left the port of Bremen and they entered the United States through the port of New Orleans. My great-great-grandfather, or excuse me, my great-grandfather Herman was only 10 years old. They settled first near Pinckney in Warren County in the Missouri River Bottom, about across from present uh, day New Haven. The Sundermeyers were engaged in farming there. Fast forward about 20 years, the Missouri River kept eroding away more and more of Herman's farm. And so when an opportunity came for him to purchase a farm in the Chamoyan Morrison Bottoms, he did so. Herman, Louise, and their six children moved via a steamboat in 1879. The house on the front cover of the book is their home. My grandfather, Frederick, was born there in 1888, and my father, Robert, was born there in 1919. The Sundermeyers have owned land in the Chamoyan Morrison, Missouri River Bottom ever since then. My sister and I now own the Century Farm there, known as Sundermeyer Family Farms. When my grandchildren go to church with me at St. John's United Church of Christ in Chamoy, they are the sixth generation of my family to attend church there. I have deep roots there. Thank you very much for the for the family history and the genealogy. That's that's great that you've been able to trace that back so far and provide that context. Uh, it is. It's fantastic. That's that's part of what I'm interested in, you know, is the genealogy and history of things. So, mm -hmm. yep, that was now, great. Now, thinking about the bottoms, uh, for those who may not be familiar, uh, for, for the two of us, many trips across, you know, Highway 100 through the bottoms there, but right. talk a little bit about that history of the bottoms between Chamoy and Morrison to give people a better perspective of, you know, what was in that region in addition to these farmhouses. Okay, well, we're gonna go way back. In my college geology class at MU, I learned that there was a great glacier 
that ended right where the Missouri River runs through our area of central Missouri today. And then the mound builders were around for many, many years before Europe, Europeans discovered it. And um, it's evident that they were there because there are many mounds on the hillsides of the Missouri River Valley. There is one just east of our farm. Indian tribes along the Missouri River included the Osage, the Missouri, Oto, Fox, Shawnee, Delaware, and other tribes. The Louisiana Territory, which includes the land that's in the farmhouse book, was claimed first by France, and then the Spanish owned it, and then it went back to France. The United States purchased the land from France in 1803, and in 1804, President Thomas Jefferson sent the Corps of Discovery, headed by Captains Meriwether Lewis and William Clark, to explore this bargain land deal and hopefully find a way to the Pacific. Now, Lewis and Clark camped near what is now Morrison, on the south side of the Missouri River, just west of Bailey's Creek on May 29, 1804. And the next two nights, they camped about four miles west of what was to be Chamoy on the south side of the Missouri River again, west of Deer Creek. Some in the party called it Panther Creek. Two years later on September 19, 1806, the Corps stayed at the same campsite they had used two years before just above the Osage River. And the next day, the party zoomed right by both the Chamoy and Morrison campsites. It was much easier to go downstream and they were headed home. They in, arrived in La Charette Village on September 20th, 1806 to much joy, celebration, and the first good meal for ages. They had been eating pawpaws. No one had heard from them and it was believed that they were dead. It is interesting to note that it took them seven days going up the river in 1804 to cover the same distance that took them only one day going downriver in 1806. The Osage Indians uh, claimed the lands that were west of the Mississippi and between the Missouri and Arkansas rivers. In 1808, a treaty was negotiated at Fort Osage and the great and little Osage Indians ceded a large part of their area to the US government. And that includes the lands that were in this book as well. Now, outside the limits of white settlements, those Indians were allowed to live and hunt on relinquished lands, that is, until the government assigned the same hunting grounds to other tribes. One of the co contributors to the book Farmhouses noted that the oldest story about the farm was from my great grandpa, who had a group of Osage Indians come and camp for a while by the spring behind the barn each year for a short time. Two land entries in what is today Osage County were made during the French occupation, George Germain and John Roberts. Likely these were right along the river as the river was the highway of the day and the land was very fertile. In 1811, the Land Grant Act was signed and then in April 1818, a land grant office opened in St. Louis. The first public land sold by the United States government in the territory of Missouri was in that year. A land grant office was also opened at Franklin in Howard County, that's about across the river from present day Boonville. The land was offered at public auctions to the highest bidder at a minimum of $2 an acre. In or before 1818, several folks lived in the area around Chamoy. General James Parsons, 
Major Moses Welton, Daniel and Joseph Schaub, Henry Hull, the Nichols, and others. So in 1818, when they could make their land entries, there were 10 official landholders in the Shimley Morrison area. Early U.S. entries of land in that area made on November 20th, 1818 were Hugh Heatherly and William Dodds. And then on December 8th of that same year, entries were made by Robert Schaub, Daniel Schaub, Moses Welton, Samuel Gibson, Lewis Hall, J.M. Morrow, Angus Langham, and William Laughlin. Most of these were Americans who came west, a lot of them from Virginia, what was to be West Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. And many of them brought their slaves with them. In 1820, Congress allowed the sale of 80 acre lots for $1.25 an acre. Very many of the first settlers had established homes before the public land had been surveyed. So squatters under the Preemption Act of 1841 could purchase 160 acres at the minimum price of $1.25 without having to bid for it at auction. In 1854, the Graduation Act allowed less desirable land that had yet to be sold to be purchased at reduced rates. No one was allowed more than 320 acres all in one tract. Land in the Chamoy area was first a part of the St. Louis district in 1810, and then it became part of Franklin County, which was named for Ben Franklin, and then it became a part of Gasconade Township in 1819 and finally became Osage County in 1841. Now Morrison and the land below that is still in Gasconade County. Now at the time that Osage County was born, land that was owned amounted to 9,068 acres. There were 101 slaves, 794 horses, 1,669 cattle, five carriages, 10 improvements, which I believe meant buildings or permanent buildings, houses or barns, 353 male inhabitants, 21 to 65 years of age, and the whole tax was $825.91. The assessor's list of 1828 shows that Moses Welton was the wealthiest man in what was then Gasconade County, owning 1,884 acres of land valued at $4,800. I averaged that out, it's $2.55 per acre. And he had 16 slaves valued at $3,350 and that averaged out to about $209 per slave. He was one of a few men who owned a watch. This man owned the farm that my family now owns. And of course, a whole lot more. And he is buried at the Indian mounds just east of our farm. Now, how did Shamoy get its name? Well, first of all, Shamoy is spelled like Shammy, C-H-A-M-O-I-S. And a man by the name of Morgan Harbor named the town Shamoy. Perhaps he was inspired by the countryside in this area looking much like the Alpine regions of Europe. And there was an agile animal called the chamois or the chamois or the chamois. And it was a goat-like antelope that lived there. So perhaps he mistook the native deer for the chamois, or maybe he was just reminded of them. Now, I was very fortunate that same time when I went to Germany, I visited Chamois, Italy, which is the only other town in the world that has the same name as Chamois. And it is a ski resort in the Alps. The only way to get to it is, is up a cable car. 
But while I was there, I was able to see those animals, the chamois, as they were feeding at dusk on the grass on the mountainside. And it was just a real delight to see them. And they were playing around and hopping and jumping. So that was really neat. Now, while we were there in Chamoy, Italy, I came uh, with a proclamation from our city council uh, at Chamoy, Missouri, asking them to become sister cities with us. And I was able to meet with uh, some of their council members and their mayor, and the mayor signed the proclamation. So we are now sister cities with Chamois, Italy. It's located in the Alps, close to the French and Swiss border, coming down the um, cable car. You can see oh, that big mount, the biggest mountain in the Alps. I can't think of the name right now. But anyway, you can see that mountain. So anyway, but perhaps Morgan Harbor had just mistaken the deer for the chamois. Harbor built that first building in what was to be Chamois in 1854. And Andrew Fitzpatrick built a building the next year, 1855. And this is when the Pacific Railroad had been completed from St. Louis to Jefferson City. The next year, Chamois was laid out and surveyed when the land was owned by a James M. Shobe. Now in 2004, Chamoy hosted the Lewis and Clark Bicentennial celebration at the Chamoy Riverside Parks. So the expedition actually stopped there and we got to, to meet the people. It was a really big event. We were real happy to do that. Morrison began his Pinnell Landing along the Missouri River at the mouth of Bailey's Creek where Lewis and Clark had camped. Later, it was called Tay's Landing and Tay is spelled T-H-E-E. -E. The landing was washed away by a change in the river channel. The first permanent settle in the settlement in the area was made by Robert Shobe in about 1828. The house on the property, now known as the Morrison House, still stands today and was built before 1844. Oral history says that the floodwaters of 1844 came to the front step level of the house. Now that property went from Shobe to a Parsons, to a Parker, and then to a Mr. Morrison, for whom the town is named. Mr. Morrison was the Missouri State Treasurer, and he was also a wealthy landholder in Howard County. Now, he didn't live in the Morrison house, but his son, also a Mr. Morrison, did. When the railroad came through, the elder Mr. Morrison bought a depot from the little town of Dresden, Missouri, and had it moved to Morrison. Now, I had never heard of the little town of Dresden, Dresden, Missouri, but the 1998 Chamoy Summer School class had done a project where they did the history of Morrison, Missouri. And that's where I read about that little town, Dresden. Apparently it died out when the railroad changed the location of its tr tracks in uh, 1926. Well, Morrison not only moved the depot, but he also built a, uh, store right by it. And so Morrison Station became a stop on the Pacific Railroad. A post office called Morrison, with Morrison's son as postmaster, has been in operation since 1860. Now, Morrison was a Southern sympathizer. And at the beginning of the Civil War, he refused to sign the oath of allegiance to the Union. So he lost his office of state treasurer and his son's office as postmaster. In 1864, before the end of the Civil War, the property was now owned by a Mr. Meyer. 
Now, Mr. Meyer was very civic minded. He gave some property to some land to a church and also so that a park could be a part of the community. And it is still there. It is called Meyer Memorial Park right along Highway 100. He also did the very first Platt of Morrison in 1868 and another one in 1890. That property stayed in the Meyer family until 1959. And then it was sold to two individuals, one a Withouse and the other a Rost. In 1975, a federal bicentennial grant was received to renovate the Morrison house. And in 1976, Morrison was designated as a Missouri Bicentennial Community City, and it celebrated with the Unity Worship Service, a basket dinner, a parade, and the presentation of the Bicentennial flag. Well, let's go back to 1865. On January the 11th, 1865, just three months before the end of the Civil War, at the Missouri State Courthouse in St. Louis, an ordinance abolishing slavery in Missouri was signed. It read, be it ordained by the people of the state of Missouri in convention assembled that hereafter in this state, there shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except in punishment of crimes whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. And all persons held to service or labor as slaves are hereby declared free. Now, Gert Goebel, who was a very early German immigrant, wrote the book, The Development of Missouri, 1879. He had this to say. Thus, Missouri did have the honor to be the only state of the slave states where patriotism, humanity, intelligence, and the self-conscious will of loyal citizens were strong enough to elevate themselves of their own moral power to citizens of a free state. Following the emancipation of slaves and the Civil War, most of the original landowners were willing to sell. Their way of life was over. Many hardworking German immigrant farmers purchased the land. Today, most of the land is owned by people descended from these Germans. Names like Sundermeyer, Starkey, Seaburn, Withouse, Paulsmeyer, Scholmeyer, Linicky, Hackman, Kuschel, Troxel, and Rost. Now, certainly in developing that, that history and in going through those materials, you, you had to read up on a lot of not only about Missouri, but also, of course, about the Bottoms and Shimoy and Morrison. And as you were talking to people about this project and getting it started, you know, talk a little bit about how you collected these photographs that are featured throughout the book, but also about the stories shared about those individual farmhouses, too. Okay, well, when I received the news that you know I, the grant had been accepted, the first thing I did was send a press release to the UD, the Unterrified Democrat, which is the Osage County newspaper. I sent it to the Herman paper, which is the Gasconade paper. And I sent it to the News Tribune in Jefferson City. And the project was also announced on social media, lots on Facebook pages, my own personal Facebook page, Susan Sundermeyer, and also the Facebook pages of the Shamoy Historic Preservation Commission, the Visit Shamoy Morrison, Missouri page and the City of Shamoy page. I also uh, had it put on the Osage County Agritourism website and it was in the Osage County Historical Society newsletter. I also did a PowerPoint presentation for a program called Spotlight on Osage County, which was held at State Technical College. 
I write the Shamoy News for the Unterrified Democrat. And so weekly, I was able to put information in that article about this project. I presented information at a Shamoy Lions meeting. And then I had an informational meeting for the public at the Shamoy Lions building. Now the News Tribune announced that meeting was a picture of my grandparents' farmhouse on the front of the local section. It was kind of interesting Jim Dyke had seen on a Facebook page, a picture of my grandparents' farmhouse. And he, he knew that farmhouse because his very good friend, Leona Hoffman grew up in that house. And she was my dad's sister, my aunt. So he picked up on that right away and he got that put into the paper for the announcement. Uh, then the News Tribune did a feature article on the project and it came out in the Sunday edition. I wrote three feature articles for the Unterrified Democrat. I set up a display at a fundraiser dinner that the Shamoy Historic Preservation Commission did. I did a presentation on the farmhouse project at the Osage County Historical Society meeting in Lynn. Information came flooding in. I received Facebook messages, emails, snail mail, phone calls, visits after church, visits in restaurants, visits in my home. And I did interviews of many people information and pictures were dropped off at my house, left in or on my front door. People were delighted to share their pictures, stories, and their histories. Now, as you're compiling those, those stories and, and those photographs, certainly, how are you putting that into context? You know, are you visiting archives and, and sites in and around the bottoms to kind of put a place to the individual photograph and the individual stories? Talk a little bit about that development in the project too. Okay, well, I did research at the Osage County Historical Society in Lynn, and I also went to Herman and visited the Gasconade County Historical Society and did research there. Then I looked on the USDA, United States Department of Agriculture website, and I researched which aerial maps I would need in order to identify the places where these houses were. So I ended up purchasing maps from 1958, 1965, and 1995 of the river bottom above Shamoy and then between Shamoy and Morrison and below Morrison. I studied a 1913 atlas of Osage County and a 2015 plat book. And I purchased a 1900 map of Gasconade County. Let's see, I used a lot of books. I relied heavily on the history of Shamoy, Missouri by George Kishmer, written in 1974. I used the development of Missouri by Gert Gerbel, 1879. Growing Up with the River by Dan and Connie Burkett. And it was printed in our copyright is 2003. It is a beautiful children's book and it follows nine generations growing up in the Missouri River starting way back at La Charette and then going actually to in the future. And it's a beautiful book. It ought to be in every classroom in Missouri. I also used the book La Charette, A History of the Village Gateway to the American Frontier, visited by Lewis and Clark, Daniel Boone, and Zebulon Pike. That was written by Lowell M. S-C-H-A-K-E, who grew up right in the area. And I used a book called The Osage County, A Memory Book, which was written, written by the Lynn High School Bicentennial Class of 1976 and A History of Morrison, Missouri by the Summer School Class of 1998. The teacher in charge there was Harold Green, their history teacher. I also just looked wherever and whenever 
I could to find information. I have information from the National Weather Service Forecast Office in St. Louis, from E.B. White, author of Charlotte's Web, Missouri Life, a 1915 directory of Osage County, In My Life by the Beatles, Pictures by Tony Caracella, a 1900 Chamoy Platt, The Bible, newsletter from Three Rivers Electric Co-op, September 1953. This was when the power plant was built. Quotes from Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, George Washington, Will Rogers, Daniel Webster. Popular songs of the American Expeditionary Forces. This was in World War I. The book said Paris, 1918. A Golden Book of Favorite Songs from 1923. These are just examples from the first 100 pages, just wherever I could find information that would fit in, I grabbed it. Well, the project became the never ending term paper, but it was interesting all the way. What a response from interested folks. Now, in addition to the to the book and, and of course, all those wonderful photographs that are, that are featured in, inside of it and the, all the stories, there's an exhibit that goes along with the project as well. Talk a little bit about the development of that and, and where people might be able to, to see that, if possible. Okay. Well, the grand opening of farmhouses, that was a requirement of the grant to do that. It was planned originally for Shamoy Day in 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020, COVID. And Shamoy Day was canceled. No worries, we decided to go ahead and hold the exhibit, keeping banners and other display items six feet apart, providing masks and hand sanitizer, and selling ice cream outside with tables and chairs set up outside. The event was held at St. John's United Church of Christ, quite appropriately in the educational building. Now, pictures of the event can be found on my Facebook page and also on the Facebook page of the Shamoy Historic Preservation Commission. If you look at those pictures, you can tell that it took a village to put on this event. And if you check out the Facebook pages, go ahead and read the thank you at the end and you'll see what a big, big village it took to do the whole project. Now, outside the grounds were festive with farm decor, including a door which had the original 1993 flood mud on it. It had come from a house I lived in the first 12 years of my life. On the door were hung a drying rack, with a set of corn ears that my dad had grown, his old straw hat, his denim jacket, plus a bonnet that his mother wore in the garden. From noon until three o'clock, we had a steady flow of visitors who enjoyed looking at the banners, maps, and other displays, and who enjoyed eating chicken sandwiches and Missouri-made honey ice cream. Many picked up the book they had ordered. The 16 banners included pictures, stories, and histories of the many, many farmhouses that were once a vibrant part of the Missouri River Bottom and the Chamoy and Morrison area. Also, the flyover maps were framed and available to be viewed. Pictures of a quilt made in one of the River Bottom homes were displayed. Each lady had embroidered her name and many of the names on that quilt were the same as those on the banner and in the book. The farmhouse project has been endorsed by Missouri 2021 in celebration of the Missouri Bicentennial thereby sharing the history and culture of the Chamoy and Morrison, Missouri River bottoms in our great state of Missouri. The 16 banners and 16 flyover maps are available for loan to schools, churches, historical societies, museums, libraries, and events. You can contact me via email at earcomesthesun at yahoo.com. 
Now, you know the Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun. It is that without the H at the beginning. It is E-R-E comes the sun at yahoo.com. Two reasons for that. I'm a big Beatles fan. And also I was a teacher. And when I taught my kindergartners and first graders, I always do a, a sun around S-U-N in Sundermeyer. So it was sort of a double meaning there. So it's an easy way to remember it. Well, Susan, thank you very much for joining me today and telling me the story about farmhouses and, and about the history of the Missouri River Bottoms near Shamoy and Morrison. Well, you are more than welcome. I'm delighted to do so. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org forward slash our dash Missouri.